Oh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Great to have you with us today. If you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us worshiping together. I want to ask you to stand with us. We're going to begin worshiping, and I want to read Scripture to us. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Jesus is speaking here. And he's speaking to the Jews that believed in him. And he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want you to hear today that there is truth in Jesus Christ, and he provides freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from past, freedom from shame, freedom from you. And it comes through the truth of his word. So I want to ask us today that we would set our hearts, our minds, our spirits under submission to Jesus and his word so that he can make much of himself and we can be changed into his image. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you offer freedom and that you provide the truth. So we ask today that we would submit ourselves to your word so that the truth of your word can be made real and alive in us we can be set free for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
seated for our week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are happy you're here worshiping with us today. Now here are your three big announcements for the week. Men, our quarterly breakfast is coming up soon, Saturday, November the 4th at eight o'clock. It's a great time for fellowship, getting together with like-minded believers and fantastic food. Register soon though, because space is limited. Text BACON to 910-424-1298. Our annual business meeting is coming up soon, Sunday, November the 12th from 4 to 6 p.m. and the Family Life Center. However, the budget will be available for a review two weeks prior to the meeting and the Welcome Center. You can see the budget beginning Sunday, October the 29th. The children's ministry here at Southview Baptist Church is in need of additional volunteers. If you're interested in this or want more information about this, you can join them for a meeting Sunday, November the 5th, immediately following the 11 o'clock service in the multimedia room. Childcare and lunch will be provided. Text the word CHILDREN to 910-424-1298. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app. Simply go to iTunes or Google Play and download the app. This will enable you to see other announcements, find a journey group, sign up for important events, get notes for today's sermon, or view previous sermons. There are multiple ways to give here at Southview. You can use our online app, which is safe and secure, or you can leave your donations in the giving boxes as you exit our sanctuary. If you're a guest here with us today at Southview, we are really glad and honored that you chose to worship with us. We'd like to get to know you a little better, and you can help us with that. Simply text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. That way will help us know ways that we may minister to you or pray for you and your family. And again, thank you today for worshiping with us here at Southview. And now let's all join together as we go back into our worship service. Amen. Stand again with us as we worship together. I want to read again to you John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Again, he's speaking to those who believed in him. He's speaking to his disciples, his followers. Listen to what he says. He, think of this, he's talking to you. If you abide in my word, that word abide means to dwell, to live in. You're going to hear that word quite a bit today to live in something to have someone live in you he's telling you if you abide you live you dwell in the word of God this is more than knowing it more than reading it more than studying it living in it if you abide in my word then you're truly my disciple and then you will know the truth not just in your head but truly living it experientially in your heart you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. Do you want to experience freedom? The Bible is abundantly clear as to how that happens. Abiding, living, dwelling in the Word of God, submitting yourself to it, soaking in it. From that knowing the truth in our hearts, seeking to live it by faith so that we can be set free. This is our desire for every one of us here today. So Jesus, I pray for us today. 
God, that we will be people who don't just seek to read your word or study your word or know your word, but to abide there, to live there, to dwell in it. And in so doing, we're going to know the truth deeply. We're going to be made free. I pray for freedom all over this room here today. For your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for your light and your life. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We ask you, Lord God, just your hand on us as we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to introduce Chris Calhoun to you. Well, there he's right there. Chris, coming up. Chris is our deacon chair slash um, admin team chair. Um, And so, uh, was that a whistle? Bald is beautiful, man. Bald is beautiful. All right, I'm going to pass it on before this gets more awkward, so go ahead. You know, as much as I appreciate that compliment, these are not for you. Um, So this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, That's the month of October, and so if I could get Ryan and Emily to come up. Is is Emily still in here? Does she walk out? Okay, great. 
And then, Marie, if you would come up as well. We recognized Steve and Charlie in the first service. Uh, and so we want to take a moment to recognize uh, our fantastic pastors. So Paul says in Ephesians 4 that our pastors are a gift from God to equip the saints and to build up the church. Uh, and while God is generous to every church, I think he spent a little bit of extra time and was extra generous to us. We have fantastic pastors. And so our hope is that every day we, pay for, we, we, we pray for our pastors. That's our hope. Um, and we should. We should thank God for them daily. But once a year in October, we take a special moment to uh, just acknowledge them publicly. Um, and so for the longest time at Southview, Southview has been generous for many, many years. Uh, and for the longest time, we just included uh, some gift cards and handed it to them on the side. But last year, we said, no, that's not fair. We want to publicly uh, encourage them. We want to bless them. Uh, and also, we wanted you guys to see that your faithfulness is blessing them. And so it was an opportunity for the congregation to come together and uh, say a prayer over them and, uh, and thank them for their service. And so, and of course, we have to bring the wives up as well because we know that as good as our pastors are, there's no way they could do this job without a fantastic lady to support them and to help them. So let's do this individually. Uh, but Steve got his time, so let's, let's make sure that we, uh, we bless each one of our pastors individually. Ryan, uh, this, is from, this is from the church for you and your bride. Um, you are such an amazing couple. Uh, and I say couple because as much as Ryan loves and ministers to and spends time with the youth of this church, his wife does the exact same thing. With the, with the ladies or with the young ladies in our youth group. Uh, both of them have a special heart for our youth. And if you're in the youth room, you know that both of these people up here love you. And if you're a parent and you have a youth in the youth group, you know with confidence that your children can come to the youth group and that these two will love on them. And what a blessing that is. And, and, and I love that about them. But the other thing that I love about them is their dedication to the Word of God. Because there is a propensity in our society to spend so much time on love that we forget the truth. And they have a great mix of both. We thank you for your dedication to the Word of God. We thank you for your love of God. And we thank you for the dedication that you have to the youth of this church. Can I pray with you? Dear God, uh, we just love these two. We, we love them not because they're... Uh, a couple that serve in our church, not because Ryan is called to be a pastor of this church, but just because of the people that you created them to be. The fact that you gave them a specific desire to pursue you with all that they have. The fact that you gave them a specific desire that that love for you would spill out onto the people that you put in their lives. We thank you for them. We thank you for their wonderful family. We pray that you continue to bless them, that you guide them, that you direct them, and you protect them. We pray that that special hedge of protection around them because we know that while they seek to serve you, uh, there is nothing that the devil would like better than to get them off track. We pray that you protect them supernaturally. We pray that you continue to renew their love for you every day, and we pray that you draw them close. We love them, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, man. And
and and not and not of course not last and definitely not least, uh, Brad Marie. We are so so thankful for you guys. Um, it it feels like time flies. <clears throat> it feels like you just got here, but your leadership is extremely evident in all aspects of the church. So Brad, being the senior pastor, is responsible for all the pastors, um, and uh, he's also responsible for. Uh, getting with God regularly and making sure that the vision for Southview Baptist Church is a vision that God would have for us. And he has done that work incredibly well. We are so thankful for you. We're thankful that we can come in here every week and we can get a message not from Brad Lynch, but from God through Brad Lynch. We're so thankful that Brad values the Word so much that he preaches directly from the Word. It's not what Brad thinks that's backed up by Scripture. It's what God thinks through Brad. We're so thankful for that in this church. We're so thankful for your leadership. We're thankful of how you lead the other pastors. I give uh, lauds to Ryan, but Ryan also is under your leadership, and we're thankful for how you direct him and how you direct Steve. We love you both, Marie. There's no way in the world that I would be saying as many positive things about this man if you weren't standing right here. <clears throat> your passion for the women of this church is so evident, and I thank you personally for the passion that you have for the ladies of this church and how you continue to invest in them and how you continue to invest in my wife as well. We love you both. We love your family, and we're so grateful that you are here. Can I pray with you? All right. <clears throat> Dear God, we know that a church of this size and this community uh, is very, very precious to you. We, we also know that if it's precious to you, it's precious to the devil, and there is nothing that the devil would like to do than to get Southview Baptist Church off track. Because he knows that if he can win this man right here, that he can win the church. And if he can win the church, he can win the community. We know that, uh, that you supernaturally protect him. We pray that your spirit rests on him. We pray that you continue to give him a wonderful vision for our, our congregation and our community. We pray, uh, especially for him and his bride, that you would continue to give them the love for you, for love for your word, and a love for the people of this church. We love them. We thank you daily for them. And we just continue to lift them up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, all right. Wow. Thank you guys so much. That is such a humbling honor uh, to be a part of a congregation that, that loves us and the pastors so well. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, well, uh, this is the part of the sermon where I say, if you've got a Bible, find the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. So um, as you're finding that, a couple of quick announcements I just want to highlight again from our video earlier. One, uh, next Sunday, November 5th, right after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have a Q&A session for our children's ministry with our children's director, uh, Emily Sellers. Uh, want you to come and be a part of that. Um, so you may think, well, uh, who are you looking for? We're looking for everyone, all right? Um, we're looking for people who are older. We're looking for people who are younger. We're looking for people who have been Christians for years. We're looking for people who are fairly new to the faith. We're looking for people who are good with admin. We're looking for professional wrestlers. We're looking for really, really any... Any, any skill set that you have, God can use. So 
Uh, that's going to be next Sunday after the uh, 11 o'clock service um, in the FLC. Come, hang out, just learn a little more about that ministry. And then on November 12th, the Sunday after that at 4 o'clock, we're going to have our yearly business meeting for our upcoming budget for 2024. You can pick that up on the welcome desk on your way out, and that'll be at 4 o'clock November 12th. All right. Uh, so... We're in a series that we're calling More, and what we're doing is we're going through the New Testament, and there are, um, depending on how you, you define them, there are five or six, we're doing six pastoral prayers in the New Testament. Prayers from the Apostle Paul over his churches, right, as the pastor, praying for them, praying over them, praying that they would know and experience more of the love of God, the life of God, the power of God, the fruit of God bearing out in their life. And that's what we want. Um, so thinking about, you know, pastor appreciation and goodness, we are, we are beyond appreciated here. Um, but as a pastor, you know, one of the things that comes with that is you, you get to kind of be behind the curtain a little bit and, and see some things going on in people's lives. Um, the great things, the awesome things, the, the, the praise reports and the struggles. And um, listen, just in this room right now at this second, I want you to hear me. There are people in this room right now, God desires to let you experience more of his life. And I want to ask you today, will you be willing just sort of right where you're sitting right now, humbly just say, God, I, I want everything that you have for me. Absolutely anything and everything. That means that things need to be taken away. That means that things need to change. That means I need to do whatever. I just want you and all of your fullness. That's, that's our desire. Um, that's our heart. And so as we see this today, Ephesians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 14. And, and, and as we jump right in, I just want to go straight into the Scriptures, Ephesians 3, verse 14. Um, and, and let's look at verses 14 and 15 just real quick, kind of a, a jump start into this thing. Ephesians 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So just stop just for a quick second. So, in the book of Ephesians, there are six chapters, all right? And the book of Ephesians divides very neatly, three and three. The first three chapters of Ephesians is very theological in nature, right? Who Jesus is, what he's done for you, what that means for you, who God is, right? So very, very theological, you could say. The second three chapters, four, five, and six, are very practical in nature. So how it works is this. First, you have to understand who Jesus is, right? The, the, the facts about God, right? The, here are the truths of who Jesus is. Here are the truths of who God is. Here's what this means for you, right? This is just the facts, chapters 1 through 3. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are, okay, so how do those truths practically play out in your life as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as an employee, as a church member? What does this how do you practically live these things, right? So theological and practical, which we want both of. And so I find it very interesting that as the Apostle Paul is making that turn, right, he's switching from the theological into the practical. He bridges that with a prayer, this prayer right here that we're going to study today. He says, for this reason, 
I fall on my knees before God. What's the reason? He has just unpacked these unbelievable truths of who Jesus is. And he so desperately wants these truths to change the people in Ephesus, to change the people in this church, to change you and I. He so wants this to be true. He's got no choice but to fall on his face before God and pray. He knows his words, even though they're not mere words, right? This is inspired scripture. He knows even his words can't do this. God needs to do it. And the same for us. At the end of the day, what I say to you does not matter. The greatest thing that I can do for you as your pastor is pray for you. But for you, the greatest thing you can do for your husband is pray for your husband. Greatest thing you can do for your wife is pray for your wife. Greatest thing you can do for your kids, pray for your kids. Greatest thing you can do for that friend you're trying to counsel is pray for them. Because you've got to pray that the Spirit of God would take these words that you're taking from the Scriptures and plant them deep into their hearts. We can't do that. God has to do that. Listen, I don't know everyone in the room personally, but I'm going to bet no one in the room, your middle name is Holy Spirit. I know people throw out some crazy Bible names, right? But I'm guessing there aren't any Holy Spirits. If there are, let me know. Like, I would like to talk with you afterward. You can't do that. God has to do that. So we pray. This is what the Apostle Paul is doing here, man. He's, he's seeing how glorious and amazing these truths are. And the only thing that he can do is fall on his face before God, calling out to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You know what that means? There is not a single person you're going to pray for that is not under the full authority of Jesus Christ. Every single person, you included, that you pray for. When you pray for you, you are under the authority of God himself. And so the Apostle Paul knows this. It's like every person, every family, every entity sits under the authority of God. So I'm going to call out to him and ask him to do this. And this is exactly what we're doing today. Calling out to him. Saying, God, do this. In fact... I'd like for us to pray just right now, real quick, before we jump into the rest of the text, right? I mean, it would be crazy for us to read about Paul praying these things would be true and then us not pray the thing, right? That, again, that's where we just get into the head and not the heart. Let's live this, not just know it. So, God, we just come to you today, and we ask you to do what your word says here that you desire to do. And the same prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over his church, we pray over this church. We ask you, God, that you will do this in us. We pray, God, that according to the riches of your great and amazing glory, you will grant us strength through your power, Holy Spirit, in our inner being. So that Christ, you, may live and dwell and take up residence and home in every heart here in this room. And that we will be rooted and grounded in your great and amazing love for us. And as a result of that, we're going to be filled with all your fullness. God, we need you to do this. We're asking you to do it. Only you can do this in us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So there are two questions we're going to look at, okay? Question number one, what's Paul praying? 
right? What's he praying that will happen? Because what he's praying, we want to pray, so we want to know what he's praying. And then, how's God going to answer the prayer, right? So again, we want to be theological and practical, right? What are the truths about Jesus that he's calling us to know? And then practically speaking, how do we do that? Like, what does that look like? How do we live that out? Theological and practical, head and heart. So there are actually three parts to all this that I want us to think through. When you think about reading the Bible and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, head, heart, and hands. As you read through the Scriptures, think about it in this way. Head, heart, and hands. Head, you got to know, right? you got to read, you got to study. Words have definitions. Words mean things. Know what the words mean. Know it in your head. Second, it has to change your heart. Right? It can't just be things that you know. Right? Your heart has to be changed by this. Your desires have to be changed. Your loves have to be changed. The things that you used to love, you don't love anymore. The things you used to hate, you don't hate anymore. Now you love God and hate sin. You used to love sin and hate God. Right? Your heart has changed. And then as a result of that, your hands now do different things. You live differently. Head, heart, hands. We know the truth. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're changed by the truth. And then by faith in Jesus Christ, we live the truth, right? Head, heart, hands. So what are we seeing here? Let's pick it up in verse 16. What is the Apostle Paul praying will happen? Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory. How rich is God? Like super duper duper rich. How rich is he in glory? His glory, his majesty, his honor, his beauty, his worth, his power, right? His, his godness. He's rich in this. And according to that richness, this limitless, unending glory and power and honor and worth of God, according to the riches of His glory, we're praying that He gives you something, that He grants you a thing. What are we praying that He gives? Grants you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to circle the word strengthened. Okay? First thing that he's praying for is that you'll be strengthened. So there are a couple of thoughts that come to my mind when I think about this. One is this. If he's praying that we would be strong, that must mean that we are, stick with me now, weak. Right? You don't ask for things you don't need. You ask for things that you are in need of and that you're wanting to be given to you. And he's praying that we would be strengthened. I, I tell you this all the time, and I'll tell you again here today, and I'll tell you until Jesus tells me to stop saying it. I know that church is no place to be honest, but let's give it a shot. You and I are weak. Not physically. He doesn't talk about the outer man. What does he say here? Strengthen in your inner being, your inner man, your inner woman. Can I be honest with you? There are times where in my inner self, I'm weak. And there are times where I give in to temptation way too fast. There are times where I get frustrated way too quickly. Times where I lose my temper super fast. Times where I am frustrated and want to give up. Times where I lose faith. Times where I think God can't possibly do what he says he's going to do. There are times in me, in my inner man, I'm weak. And he says here that we are to pray that we would be strengthened. Made 
strong in our inner man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if he's telling us to pray to be strong, that means we're weak. And the second thing is, if he's telling us to pray to be strong, that means he's going to give the strength. Right? He's going to do that. And he's specifically praying that we will have strength for what? Verse 17. That he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Another word I want you to circle there is dwell. So I mentioned in John 8 earlier the word abide. This is dwell. Same word. Meno in the Greek means to live somewhere, to, to, to have your abode there. So there are two different words for live or dwell in the Greek. One is visiting, like, like your own vacation. The other is to live there. It's your home. Right? And there's a difference between vacation house and your house. Right? As much as you might enjoy vacation house, there's nothing like coming home, is there? Sleeping in your bed. Oh, that's the greatest. Why? Because that's your home. What does it mean to be home? Well, it means that's where you're most comfortable. That, that, that's where you have the authority to set the rules. You get to determine what happens and does not happen. You pay the bills. You're in charge. It's your home. And he's saying here that he's praying that Jesus would live, dwell, be at home in our hearts. What does that mean? That means he paid the bills to take ownership of your hearts through his blood. He paid the bills. That means he's in charge. He's in control. He determines the rules. He decides how the house is decorated and what you do with it. And three, it's where he's welcome. It's where he's home. It's where he's comfortable. Is Jesus at home in your heart? Listen, is Jesus at home in your heart? Or do you just let him visit from time to time? When you're in need, when there's a situation... When the stuff hits the fan, you call Jesus over, right? You want Jesus coming to your house. But do you let him live there? Does he take ownership? Is it his? This is the very heart of Christianity, that Jesus would live in us. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Same word, minnow. John 15, 4, continue to live in me, and I will continue to live in you. You cannot bear fruit unless you continue to live, minnow, dwell, make your home in me. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, God said, I will live, minnow, make my home with them, and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. 1 John 2, 24, if you continue to believe the message, then you will continue to live with the Son, and with the Father. The whole point of Christianity is that Jesus would live, have his home, have his abode, take up residence in you. And so he's praying here that we will be strengthened to do that. Why do you have to be strengthened to do that? Because listen, in your own flesh, you don't want Jesus there. Jesus starts showing up, he changes things. Right? He starts kicking people out that got no business living in your heart. He starts knocking down walls. He files papers on all the squatters. 
So let's just be honest for a second again. What stops you and I from allowing Jesus to have full authority and ownership of our hearts? Fear? Afraid of what he's going to do? Afraid of what he might call us to? Afraid of what that life might look like? Just a desire for other things? Uh, Satan has a really unique way of uniquely terrifying you as to why you personally should not want Jesus in that place. So I, I don't know if you know this, so it's, you know, Halloween next week. And so um, there is a haunted house in Tennessee. It is considered to be the scariest haunted house in the world. And if you successfully complete it, they give you $10,000. But it's not like down at the fire department. Okay. They make you fill out a questionnaire and go through an extensive interview process to which they find out all of your deepest, darkest fears and they tailor make the, the haunted house just for you. Right? Then you're starting to lie about stuff like, I'm afraid of puppies. <laughs> I'm afraid of commitment. What does that mean? Like I just got a bunch of ladies in the house. Like, oh, right away. Right? What does that look like? I don't know. But they tailor make this thing just for you. And in the same way, Satan tailor makes all of these fears as to why you need to run away from Jesus. All the reasons why it's a bad idea for you to let him have total authority over your life. No, no, no. You know better. You're good. You can do it. If Jesus comes in, he's going to start changing stuff around. I want you to hear me. The reason the Apostle Paul said we have to pray for strength in our inner man the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ can dwell in our hearts is because if we're honest, again, there are things in us that want to push him out. So we need to be strengthened by him. But then I want you to see the next thing. So how does this go about? How does these prayers get answered? What's the connection here? I want you to see this connection here. So what causes us to start praying for strength so that Christ can dwell in our hearts? What's the thing that drives us, that grabs us, that moves us in that? 17b, all right? Take it up in the second part of verse 17. We'll read through verse 19. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to see a link here. It's kind of a full circle thing, right? So, it's praying that you would have strength in your inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus will be at home in your heart. And as Jesus is at home in your heart, you're going to be more grew rooted and grounded to see his amazing love for you, which will then empower you to desire even more strength, which makes Jesus even more at home, which makes you even more convinced of his love for you, which makes you even more ground. Like it just keeps going and going and going. Look at the way the love of God is described here. Verse 17. He's praying that you will be rooted and grounded in love. In the Greek, actually, it's flipped. Love is first. It's, it's an emphatic way of explaining. It doesn't say um, rooted and grounded in love. It says in love, you be rooted and grounded. Think about rooted. 
Right, this giant tree with these huge uh, uh, roots that go deep down into the ground, deep and wide, wrapping around all the rocks and all the other roots and all the brand, everything going deep. What's the purpose of that? Why are those roots going deep? So that that tree can stand strong. You're rooted in God's love for you grounded. It's an architectural term, the idea of like a foundation of a building. You, you, you go deep to build a solid foundation so that you can build a strong house that will not be knocked down. Rooted and grounded in God's love for you so that you can have strength. There's that word again. It, you need to pay attention when you read the Bible. If they use words multiple times, there's a reason for that. Strength again in just a few verses. Strength to comprehend. You need the God-given strength to comprehend with your mind how great and glorious God's love is for you. That is not something you can get on your own. Because what we do is this, right? We, 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 we completely monkey around with the definition of love, right? Love is just this ambiguous thing, this feeling, this emotion, Love is you letting me do whatever it is I want to do. And if you tell me no, that's you being unloving. But that's not God's love. God's love has, 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 has purpose, has meaning. God's love brings things. God's love does things. God's love accomplishes things. Because of the great love with which he loved us, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. God's love does something. And as you're more and more and more rooted and grounded in his love for you, you now begin to see how glorious and amazing God is and you want that God at home in your heart. Don't you want, don't you like being around people that love you? I mean, if you had to choose, right? Okay, over here you can hang out with people who love you. Over here you can hang out with people who think you're an idiot. Mm, wow. Um, this sounds kind of like getting hit in the head with a roofing hammer. I'm going to go over here. You run to people who you know love you, right? They may tell you the truth. They may tell you a hard truth. But you know what happens when someone who loves you tells you a hard truth? They stand with you and help you walk through it. They don't throw a hand grenade and run away. People who hate you do that. They stay and they love. That's how God is with his love for you. You want to be rooted and grounded in the amazing, glorious love of God so that you run after him, you want him, you pursue him, you desire that God to be at home in your heart. He goes on, verse 18, you have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Verse 19, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Love verse 19 in Ephesians 3. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You're being asked to try to know a thing that you're never going to know. So the idea is this. You the love of Christ is so glorious, so big, so huge. You can't measure the height, the width, the depth, the length. You can't even begin to wrap your arms around it. It's beyond what you can imagine. 
I was talking with a guy after the first service, and he said, you know, I think about it kind of like this. He said, Ephesians, uh, uh, the, the church in Ephesus was a really young church, right? He said, so I think about like my four-year-old daughter. If I went to my four-year-old daughter and said, do you know how much daddy loves you? She would go, oh, this much. And you got this little church, this little toddler church there in Ephesus. They're like, do you know how much God loves you? They're like, oh, this much. And Paul's like, sweetheart, you ain't even got a clue. God's love for you is so much better than you can even begin to wrap that little brain around. But I'm praying that every day you're going to get a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Because the more you grow in your knowledge of God's love for you, the more you're going to be changed by that love. This is what we're after. More, more, more. The whole point of this series, more. What do we want more of? We want to see more of the love of God. When you really begin to see His love, look what happens. Verse 19. As a result of this, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does it look like to be filled with all the fullness of God? Every single thing that God, through His Spirit, could cram into you is there. All His fullness, total surrender, total submission, filled and empowered with the Spirit, walking in grace and love and power and forgiveness and commitment and holiness and honor and love. The key to you being filled with all the fullness of God is you understanding God's love for you. Because here's the way this works. You and I, I don't know if you know this yet or not. I hate to bother you with this. We sin. Shocking. Again, when you sin, who would you rather go to? Someone who is going to berate you and mock you and put you down and throw it back in your face and say, I knew you'd mess up. When you sin, is that usually the kind of person that you just can't wait to go have coffee with? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet no. Who do you want to go have coffee with after you've just completely bitten the dust? You want to go to coffee with someone who's going to love you. Who's going to look at you and say, I know. I know. We're going to walk through this together. And the point is, that's supposed to be just a small little taste of God's amazing love for you. I think in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, right, that ran out on his dad, left him for dead, took his inheritance, blew it all on worthless living and then decided he wanted to go back and be a slave. Like, if I can just go back and be one of my dad's servants, then maybe I can get three hot meals and a place to lay my head and, 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 and that'll just be good enough. And so you know the story, right? He's going back to his dad and the dad sees him from a long way off and what does the dad do? He comes running after him, wrapping his arms around him. He's not even giving the kid time to give his pre-planned speech. He's too busy showering love. This is the love of God. Listen to me. He's just waiting on you to come home. He loves you. He loves you. How do we live in all the fullness of God? We abide in His love. 
I want to read one scripture to you. It's John 15, 9. It's not going to be on the screen. You can write it down and look it up later if you'd like. But just listen to the words. Just, just, just let this kind of sink in. John 15, 9. Jesus is speaking and he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Think about that. Jesus is talking. As the Father has loved me. How has the Father loved the Son? Perfectly. Right? There's no beginning. There's no end. It's close. It's personal. You can't measure it. It's unchanging. The Father's love, God the Father's son, love for God the Son is absolutely, immeasurably perfect. To deny that would be to deny Christianity. You would be denying the faith. The Father's love for the Son is absolute perfect. But get that next place, that next phrase. Just like the Father has loved me, the Son, so have I loved you. Let that sink into your brain just for a moment. Jesus says he loves you the same way the Father loves him. How is that even possible? How is that even possible? Think of all the ways that he could have described his love for you. That would have been good, right? He could have said, I love you like a mother loves her child. I love you like a husband loves his wife. Could have said, I love you like an addict loves her next hit. What is he saying? I love you just like the Father loves me. I want you to let that sink in just for a moment. Jesus Christ loves you the same way the Father loves him. And as we pray for the strength of God to be able to comprehend this love, to be able to wrap our hearts, our minds around this love, it changes us. Which is why it says there in John 15, 9, next, abide in my love. Abide there, remain there, live there, dwell there. Again, we've been using that word a lot today. Dwell in God's word. Christ dwelling in your hearts. You dwelling in the love of God. Living there, staying there, remaining there. Think of all of the characteristics of Jesus that he could have talked about. Right? Jesus is filled with all power and wisdom and truth and holiness and devotion and submission and sacrifice and on and on and on and on and on. But he doesn't say to live in any of those. He says, abide, live, dwell in my love. Don't walk away from that. Don't think you graduate from that. Don't think you grasp God's love for you and like, check, moving on to other things now. He said, stay here. Keep coming back here. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, look intently at the love of God that he has for you and don't turn away from it. Stay focused there. Stare at it. Stay there. Live there. Dwell there. Don't move. My encouragement for you, quite honestly, if you want more of God, more experiencing more of the fullness of God in your life, my advice to you is, Clear your calendar. 
sit down, open your Bible, and ask God to speak to you through his word about his love for you. It will change you. I don't have time for anything like that. I've got a busy schedule and kids at home and work responsibilities and ministry responsibilities. I, I can't afford to take time for something like this. You, you can't afford not to. Again, just think about it. This is the one thing Jesus said, live here. Stay here. Don't move from it. Stay here. Let's do that. That is what's going to make you a better husband, a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, a better employee, a better church member, a better pastor, a better ministry leader. So then this passage ends with verses 20 and 21. Let's look at both. Verse 20. As he's praying, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Again, when we say let's go to the Lord in prayer, let's ask God to do this work, what we're saying is let's go to the one who has the ability to do more than we could ever ask, think, imagine, brainstorm, spitball, whiteboard. Like he could just do beyond any of that. So we go to him. And we say, God, I am a blank slate. You do with me whatever you want. You can do anything better than I can even think or imagine, so I'm not even going to try. You do with me what you want. Here I am. I lay myself in submission to your word. I lay my heart bare before you. You own it. You run it. You do whatever you want with it. Jesus, I belong to you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. We're going to end our time together. Worshiping and praying. And and as we worship together, I want us to do so asking the question, Am I really giving Jesus everything? Again, he bought the house. It belongs to him. At this point, you're the squatter. If you trust by faith in Jesus Christ, he bought you with his blood. Your heart belongs to him. He wants to come live with you. Trust him. With all that I am, I give you everything. Jesus Christ, do this in us today. With all that we are, we ask you to do this in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
you are our reason for everything. We thank you, Jesus. We ask you that you be glorified in our lives. As we pray right now, that you would grant us strength by your Holy Spirit so that Jesus Christ, you may dwell in each and every one of our hearts by faith so that we may be rooted and grounded in your great love for us and that we may have strength to comprehend with one another what is the breadth and length and height and depth and the love of the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do this in us today, Lord God, more than we could ever think or imagine for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.